Well, good morning, everyone. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are those who are grateful, expressing gratitude, thanksgiving to God and to others. And there are those who are ungrateful. They're a lot like that little boy who complain, who are never happy with whatever is presented to them. They grumble and they just are unhappy with life. Now, by the way, where do you think that little boy learned that from? You can be sure that there was somebody who was doing a good job modeling what that little boy was expressing. Two kinds of people, people who are grateful, people who are ungrateful. The ungrateful people feel that life is unfair. They're the ones who are jealous of other people and their success. They're jealous of what other people have. They're jealous when other people have a good story to tell about something good that's happened to them. They're the ones who, when other people are, are rejoicing and giving thanks, they're the ones that are grumbling and saying, well, how come I didn't get that? How come, how come life hasn't been good to me like that? How come God didn't do that for me? They're the ones who are resentful. They resent God, they resent others. And furthermore, they're the ones that take everyone for granted. Do there's people that I hear from uh, on a regular basis who are very grateful and they like to say, Pastor, thank you, and Pastor, appreciate this, appreciate that. They'll send me an email saying how much they loved uh, maybe something that I said in a sermon. And there are others whom I never hear from except when they have a complaint. That's the only time I ever hear from them. And they'll, they'll send me an email or phone me or come to me, and they'll, they'll sort of on me, dump on me, and it's like, good, I did my duty, I've told the pastor, I set him straight, I sorted him out, I sorted this church out, I sorted everybody out, because that's my job. Can I tell you something right now? God has called you and me to have an attitude of gratitude. God has called us to submit our lives to him and the way that he wants us to live. And here's what we know. We know that people who have an attitude of gratitude have a very different kind of life from those who don't. And I will say this to you today, that those who have an attitude of gratitude are people who have radically changed the way that they live their life. Psychologists support this. They have written numerous papers and books about the positive effects of gratitude. When you are a person who has an attitude of gratitude, you are emotionally happier and more satisfied and more content than others. You're even physically more healthy than others if you have an attitude of gratitude. Socially and relationally, you have, you, you're better than the one who grumbles and complains. You will have great relationships with everybody in your life if you learn what it means to have an attitude of gratitude. In fact, psychologists have discovered that those who experience success in all the areas of their life are people who have an attitude of gratitude. They're the grateful people. They're the thankful people. They're the positive people. They're the happy people. Now, this area, uh, this, this, this area of, of gratitude or this study of gratitude is something that has intrigued me for uh, a number of years um, and, and just especially recently in a, in a big way. And, I mean, eventually I'd like to do a whole series on this subject. 
But let me say this. The, the thing that I've discovered in my observations is that those who have an attitude of gratitude are people who are what we call emotionally intelligent. Now, there, we, some of you will know that there are all kinds of intelligences. There's those who, there are those who are very uh, intelligent in the area of sports, for instance. They're just, we call them natural athletes. There are people who are naturally gifted academically. We call it like, book smart. Uh, they've got a high IQ. They're, I mean, they can solve any math problem. But when it comes to relationships, when it comes to being content and happy and able to interrelate with other human beings, these people will struggle because they don't have what we call emotional intelligence. Now, here's the thing. If you want to be able to interact well and have great relationships with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with, then it will begin here, especially here, the area of gratitude. Knowing how to say thank you. Learning how to acknowledge when somebody has said something or done something that's kind to you. People who uh, have an attitude of gratitude are almost always emotionally and relationally healthy. These are the ones who demonstrate real maturity. Now think of a baby. You ever, I mean, we had three babies at one time. They're not babies anymore. But when they were babies, if we fed them, once we were done feeding them, they never said, thank you very much, Father. Or thank you, Mother. We changed their diapers. It was never like, oh, thank you, I'm so relieved. And if it weren't for you, Dad, or if it, well, more like Mom, if it weren't for you, Mom, I would have a diaper rash. They never said, Mom and Dad, thank you for providing a roof over our head. Why? Because they're babies. Now, here's the thing. Many of us are like babies. We have not learned yet what it means to say thank you. We expect it. And if we don't get what we want, what do we do? We cry. We pout. We scream. And we had three babies that knew how to do that very well. Thankfully, they've outgrown it. Mostly. <laughs> they have learned how to be thankful. They've learned gratitude. They recognize when somebody has done something well for them. And they know how to say thank you. Now, many of us are still so immature in this area. We have not learned what it means to be a thankful person. This is a sign of maturity, and it's a sign of emotional intelligence. It's the ability to know how to interact with other people, to get on well with other people. It's the ability to have great relationships. Now, we're asking the question, why can't we be friends? And we've been discussing some of the, the tools that you need in order to have great relationships. We've talked about the, the relationship toolbox. And over the past seven weeks, we've We've introduced you to a number of excellent tools that will help you improve all your relationships. Well, the tool we're discussing today is a tool called the attitude of gratitude. And here's what I'm going to promise you this before I go any further. If you learn how to use this tool, if you will take this tool out of your relationship toolbox and start using it, it will radically change your life. 
It'll radically change your relationship to your kids and your spouse and all the people in your life. In fact, it will make it possible for you to actually have friends and keep them. So, what is this attitude of gratitude? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul calls it or describes it. Here's how he describes it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It's three very simple, very short verses. Verse 16 says, Always be joyful. 17, never stop praying. And 18, be thankful in all circumstances. That, my friends, is the attitude of gratitude formula. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, I need to point something out to you before I go any further. Notice the modifiers here. It says, always. There is no footnote that says at the bottom, well, usually be joyful, or as often as you can be joyful, or as well as you can. It says always, without exception. And then it says never stop praying. It doesn't say pray most of the time or sometime or pray when you think about it. Apostle Paul says pray all the time. In other words, have this ongoing conversation with God that doesn't stop. And then it says be thankful in, hello, in all circumstances, not in some circumstances or in most circumstances, but in all circumstances. And Paul says the reason you need to do this is because it's the will of God for everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ. So if you call yourself a Christian or call yourself a follower of Christ today, then the Apostle Paul says this for you. God, God's will is that you are always joyful, you, you never stop praying, and that you're thankful in all circumstances. So let's take a moment to just to look at that word gratitude. What does it mean to be grateful? What, what does gratitude mean? The dictionary defines gratitude as the feeling of being grateful or thankful. And it's usually expressed in words, words like thank you and I appreciate you. Have you ever heard those words before? Try using them. Tell the person beside you, just, just pretend they've done something nice for you and then say thank you to them. Go ahead, say it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very uncomfortable with that. I haven't used that term, that, that expression, that phrase for a long time. Yeah. And now say the, to the person beside you, I appreciate you. Go ahead. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Okay, now listen to this. Listen. There's different ways that we express gratitude. There's different ways that we say thank you. We might send a card. We might send a gift. Maybe flowers. Appreciate, appreciate what you've done for me. I thank you for that. We might even just give a smile. Look somebody in the eyes and give them a smile. There's different ways to express gratitude. But here's the thing. We need to learn what it means to have this attitude of gratitude. Now, here's what psychologists say. And I want to say this, by the way. The study of gratitude is really quite a hot topic and there's, there's lots being written on the subject right now because doctors, psychologists are discovering the power of, of gratitude expressed and the effect that it has on, on us as human beings. Listen to this. Gratitude, this is from Psychology Today, gratitude is an emotion expressing appreciation for what one has as opposed to being consumer-oriented, which is an emphasis on what, wants, what one wants or needs. 
Isn't that, the, isn't that really the truth, eh? We are so often focused on what we, what we want rather than focusing on what we have, focusing on what God has done for us, focusing on what others have done for us. They go on to say this. Studies show that we can deliberately cultivate gratitude and can increase our well-being and happiness by doing this. Isn't that interesting? So you can actually increase your happiness quotient. You can actually become more happy and feel more content and feel more, satis- uh, more satisfaction if you learn how to say thank you, if you learn to be grateful for what you have. The article goes on to say this. In addition, grateful thinking, and especially expression of it to others, is associated with increased levels of energy, optimism, and empathy. The ability to relate to somebody, the, the ability to feel what other people are feeling. We call this emotional intelligence. Now, it all happens because of this attitude of gratitude. Who knew that the thing that would increase your energy levels, the thing that would increase, uh, appreciate or um, increase your optimism, the thing that would increase your, your empathy would be this saying thank you. Now, for many of us, we go through life and we rarely say thank you. We, we take people for granted. We expect people to, be, to do good things for us. We expect people to service us and do whatever we want them to do. What about you? Think about it for a moment. When you go through McDonald's drive-thru, do you say thank you? Good, thank you. That's good. <laughs> Check. When, when uh, you go to a restaurant, get your meal, do you express appreciation to the one who's waited on you? Do you express it through a, a nice tip? Do you smile at your waitress or your waiter? I know some of you are thinking, well, you should see the restaurant I just went to recently. They were so rude to me. There's no way they're getting a smile out of me. Maybe you went to Superstore. <laughs> that's, that's kind of an inside joke for those who are maybe not familiar with, with my long, long lamentations on Superstore. but I know some of you can definitely relate to that. Can I just say this to you? Your attitude of gratitude should never be dependent on what others say or do. Do you get that? Because here's what I know, is that if we're waiting for somebody else to be kind to us and to do good things for us and to have an attitude of gratitude, and they're also waiting for that, guess what happens? Nothing. Somebody has got to set the pace. Now, here's the thing. If you're calling yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, then the Bible is clear that you're the one that's got to set the pace. You're the one that's got to take the first step. And so that's that poor, poor clerk at Superstore has been abused by the 12 people ahead of you and she is not in the mood to, to, to fight or to tangle. She's keeping her head down. She's just doing her job. She doesn't want to get yelled at yet another time. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. When you come along, do you make a difference? Do you make her day? Thank you. When you come along, 
Do you make your waiter's day, your waitress's day? Do you, do you make your children's day? When they leave your house in the morning, are you yelling and screaming at your kids? Or, yeah, so this is touching a nerve here, I hear it. When you say goodbye to your spouse in the morning as they go to work, or when you go your separate ways. When you, when you arrive at work and you're dealing with the people that you depend on, do they know how much you appreciate them? Or do they feel that you're taking them for granted? Because here's the thing. This is how we treat each other. And it, what happens is that it, is it as one person takes another person for granted, it goes back and forth. The next thing you know, you've got a terrible family life. You, know, you don't want to go home at the end of the day because there's nothing but strife and terror there. You don't want to go to work because there's nothing but strife and terror there. Here's what I'm saying. You are God's agent called to make a difference in your world. And how are you going to do that? With an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to tell you, when you show up on the scene, everybody should sigh a big sigh of relief thinking, oh, he's finally here. He's going to bring joy and happiness to the situation. That's what it means to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, here's, here's what you and I need to understand. Even the most immature Christian understands that fundamental to our faith, fundamental to our walk with God is the need to say thank you, God, is the need to express thanks to God. In fact, we even have a celebration called Thanksgiving. Here's what you and I need to know, is that this this Thanksgiving, this giving of thanks, is sometimes called worship. Now, the word worship, two words put together, it's the word worth and the word ship. Worship. What are we doing when we express our thanksgiving to God? We are assigning to God. We are telling God, God, we value you. We recognize your worth. Does that make sense, everybody? Pretty simple. Worship is recognizing God's worth, God's value. You're recognizing how good God has been to you. Worship, very simply then, it's an an acknowledgement of God's blessing in your life. Thank you, God. And it's also a fulfillment of the greatest commandment, the first and great commandment. What is the first and great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So when you worship God, you're saying, God, thank you for your blessings. I appreciate you, God. That sounds kind of strange because we don't usually use that kind of language. But essentially, that's what we're saying. God, I appreciate you. God, thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for what you've done for me. And the other half of that is that we're saying, God, I love you. That's why we have worship here on Sunday morning. This is why we begin the service by stopping, getting our perspective, and getting focused on God. We're saying, God, we love you. God, we're thankful for all your goodness to us. Now, folks, worship is absolutely part of what it means to have an attitude of gratitude. But it doesn't stop there. Here's the rest of the story. The same thing that happens when you say thank you to God is what you and I need to do with one another. The same way that we say thank you to God, we need to say thank you to each other. Now watch this. What is thank you? Thank you is is a form of worship. We're saying, no, no, I'm not saying we worship each other. What I'm saying is we, we assign worth to each other. We're saying, I appreciate you. 
Wayne, I appreciate you. And then the next part of that, which is maybe a little awkward for you, Wayne, but I love you, Wayne. Feel awkward? Not sure? Well, don't panic. Let me give you an explanation here. You see, the second great commandment is like the first great commandment, which is what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So here's what you need to understand about gratitude, this attitude of gratitude. We express our appreciation and thanks to God for his goodness to us, and we say, God, I love you. When you say, when you express your appreciation to the people in your life, when you say thank you, you're saying, I appreciate what you've done for me, and I love you. Now, that's kind of difficult, especially for us guys, because we don't like to really talk in that kind of language. But folks, listen, this is a fulfillment of the great commandments that Christ himself has given to us. So this attitude of gratitude is a fulfillment of the commands of God. One of the things I love to do is I love to do what I call spiritual experiments. And basically a spiritual experiment is I take whatever God says in his word and then I do it and I watch what happens and record the results. I don't know if anybody's ever done anything like that before. So for instance, if God tells me to be a generous giver, God calls me to, to share, then I will do it. And then I'll watch and see what happens. And so what I did even is if somebody would give me a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever, I would figure out the value of it and then, and then give a tithe, the 10% on that, and, and then maybe a little bit more and see what would happen. And I discovered after these experiments that God always blesses us when we do what he tells us to do. I tried the same thing with, with gratitude. What happens when I say thank you to the, to the people that work at Superstore? Believe it or not, believe it or not, you can make them smile. Believe it or not, you can also make yourself smile. Something very special, something, listen, very spiritual happens. Because as you express that appreciation to that person who's just served you, that guy at Domo Gas who's pumping gas into your car, that lady who's serving you at McDonald's at the drive through restaurant, that one who serves you at the superstore, what happens is something spiritual happens and you find yourself connecting to that person. Now, there's certain restaurants that I love to go, through, go to because the food's always good, the service is always good, it's clean, it's tidy. I make it a point to make sure that I always express appreciation and gratitude. And sometimes I'll even say, I want to say thank you to the chef or thank you to the cook, whoever it is, because that was an exceptional meal. Guess what? When I come into that restaurant, it's like an old, long-lost relative has showed up and they run over. Hey, how's it going? It's so good to see you. Now, remember, I only see these people maybe one for one or two hours in the course of a month or maybe months. What creates that bond? What makes them feel that I am, I'm like family to them? What makes them feel like I'm their friend? Gratitude. Gratitude. Saying thank you. I appreciate you. Acknowledging when someone does something well. See, here's what so many of us do is we take each other for granted. We take our spouse for granted. We take our kids for granted. We ask her, you tell the kids, take out the garbage. They take out the garbage. You don't say thank you. And you say, well, it, they're living this house. They got to pull their weight around here. It's their house too. They don't deserve to be thanked. Yes, they do. She's the wife. It's her job to wash the dishes and cook the meals, right, guys? 
You're not that stupid to say yes. All right, no, of course not. Listen, it's what, it's how, it's what we do. I mean, and this is an exaggeration, obviously. But it's what we do. We fail to say thank you. How do you think, guys, that those, your socks get clean and end up in your drawer? It's not magic. <laughs> how do you think your shirts get pressed? How do you think... How do you think that fridge gets filled up? Somebody's gone and served you. Now listen, to have an attitude of gratitude means that you never take anyone for granted. And as long as you're not taking people for granted, I'm telling you this, you are going to be experiencing exceptional relationships, exceptional friendships. And if you're in business, you're going to be an exceptional businessman. You're the one that everybody's going to want to go to to be served. The success related to this attitude of gratitude is one of the best kept secrets, and yet it will revolutionize your life if you'll understand it and if you'll put it into practice. So then let's talk about how to have an attitude, how, to, how do we have this attitude of gratitude? First of all, I need to point out to you what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, and then watch this. Then he says, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's, it's non-negotiable. This is not a suggestion. This is not just, here, here, I've got a good idea. Why don't you try this? This is, Paul's saying this is actually God's will. This is something that you have to do. It's not something that you might do or that you should try to do. It's something that you must do if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And for too many people, too many so-called Christians, they seem to, be, seem to have been baptized in, in vinegar, lemon juice. They're sour, they don't smile, they're miserable. They go around telling everybody, I'm a Christian, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know where you're going. Yeah, you know people like that. Maybe you were like that yourself. I don't know. But I can tell you this. People may look at you and say, I see, I see religious behavior, but I certainly don't see anything of, of a, a loving God. You want your kids to go on to serve God after they grow up? Let them see real Christianity in your home. A lot of kids grow up in a home that it's just a sham. Parents go to church, they're involved up to their neck, but they don't really practice this Christianity thing. I'm telling you, God's called us to be real believers. And to be a real believer, a real follower of Christ, means that you and I have an attitude of gratitude. Always joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. You'll remember that um, I've been using a a phrase or, or term recently called practical theology. And here's what you and I need to understand about this Christian life. Is it this Christian truth, this Christian faith of ours, this teaching that we teach? It applies to absolutely every part of your Christian life. So here's the thing. I could be up here and be Dr. Alan Dankaff talking about the Greek declension of this verb and the modifiers that therefore change the meaning it means. And I could talk to you about the Hebrew and I could go on and on and give you all kinds of glorious theological concepts and terms. 
But if this faith doesn't change your life, then what's the point? So what I'm saying is what you and I need to do is we need to start applying this Christianity that we love to talk about. We need to start applying it to our life moment by moment and day by day. It should change your attitude. It should even change your countenance, the look upon your face. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then I'm going to tell you this. It'll be evident not only in what you say and do, but even in the way you look. This church is a Pentecostal church. And for some of you, you know Pentecostal is you know, maybe kind of wild worship, kind of like the charismatic kind of thing. We're just whatever. Okay? And some people think maybe we're not charismatic enough or not Pentecostal enough. Okay, so those of you who think that, you've just locked horns with me, and I'm going to tell you what you need to know about what it means to be a real Pentecostal, what it really means to have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Don't talk to me about spiritual gifts until you talk to me about spiritual fruit. We call it the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, and 23. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you you this right now. If your Christianity is is as authentic as you think it is or say it is, then there's going to be real evidence of this fruit in your life. This is practical theology. And the evidence that the fruit is at work in your life, ready for this, is that you have an attitude of gratitude. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3.3, Clearly, you are a letter from Christ. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. When Jesus Christ gets a hold of your life and transforms you, your life now becomes a letter that the whole world can read. I want to ask you this. If people are looking at your life, what are they reading Are they seeing God in your life? Are they seeing that your life has been transformed by the Holy Spirit? The evidence that your life has been transformed is that you're living as Paul calls you to live, always joyful, always praying, and always giving thanks in all circumstances. You say, Pastor, really, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Let me just tell you in the remaining moments. To be always joyful means that you're constantly expressing thanksgiving to God. We usually think of joy as an emotion we feel when everything is going our way. As long as everything's going our way, as long as you know, I'm getting what I want and everybody's doing what I want, and as long as I'm getting stuff, then I'm going to be joyful. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying here. The Apostle Paul is saying be joyful all the time, whether you feel like it or not. You say, well, Pastor, how on earth can that happen? How can I be joyful if I don't feel joyful? Well, here it is. The first thing you're going to do, if you want to be joyful, is that you have to stop to consider God's goodness to you, and you need to say, thank you, God. We call it counting our blessings. In fact, there's even a hymn called that. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If you right now do not have joy in your life, If you cannot be joyful, then you need to stop to consider what God has done in your life. And I'm telling you, folks, it'll be a game changer for you. 
This is why we tell you you need to do your devotions. It's a time to stop and reflect on God. It's time to think of what God's done for you. The second thing you need to do to get joy into your life is that you need to act like you're joyful. Act? Yeah. Put a smile on your face. You don't feel joyful? Smile. You're unhappy? Smile. When your kids are driving you nuts, and people aren't listening to you, smile. Now, here's an amazing thing. We know that when people act a certain way, they begin to feel the way that they're acting. Isn't that interesting? In fact, Mark told me after the, serv- after the first service that this is what method acting is. You, to get into character, you start acting like that person. Even though it's not who that person is, they begin to act like that person, and then before you know it, they are that person. In fact, I believe that that's why there's so many actors who end up abusing drugs because of getting into that character. I'm thinking particularly of the fellow that played the Joker um, a few years back, Heath Ledger, died overdose of drugs. He actually became that person in his mind, and it became a horrible battle for him. Now, the flip side of that is this, is that if you are not a joyful person, if you're not a person who's got a smile on your face, and you don't normally feel happy, put a smile on your face and watch what will happen. And while you're doing that, give thanks to God. Be joyful always. It's not a suggestion. But just always, always be joyful, always be glad. The second thing you need to do is you never, you did never stop praying. Instead of sharing all your ailments with people, share them with God. Because the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that nobody wants to hear about your ailments anyway. They really don't care. They'll say, oh, that's too bad. And, and then they're thinking, oh, no, here we go. Can have the organ recital. My liver, my kidneys, my heart. My th- and nobody wants to hear it. That's why we never stop praying. Because God wants to hear about it. I don't know why. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that he loves us and cares about us. So when you go into prayer, guess what happens, folks? It changes your perspective. Suddenly you realize God is in control. How many know today that God is in control? God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. God's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Every time you go into prayer, you are reminded that you've got God on your side. Nothing will bring gratitude and joy to your heart quicker than knowing that you've got God on your side. Praying gets your perspective back. You're reminded that God's in charge. There's a, a wonderful book, or a set of books, actually, that were turned into a TV series. This is years back. And it's called um, Anne of Green Gables, one of my favorite shows of all time. I know it's hard for me to admit that, being the son of a plumber. I know it doesn't sound very macho. But the truth that, is, that comes through, listen to this, listen. Anne of Green Gables, before she was Anne of Green Gables, was, was an orphan, had no home. Her parents both died. Somehow, she gets a call that she's going to go to Prince Edward Island to go and live with Andrew and Marilla Cuthbert. 
When she arrives there, by the time she gets into the house, she has now renamed the lake that she's gone by. She's renamed the avenue that she's come down. She's got dreams, and she sees Green Gables, and, and she loves it, and she knows that God loves her, and God has answered her prayers. Except that when she gets in the house and meets Marilla, the spinster who has requested an orphan, she discovers that what they had really asked for was not a girl, but for a boy. And Marilla says to her bachelor brother, who's this and why is she here? As though Anne were not even in the room. And Matthew says, well, I guess they made a mistake. And Marilla says, well, she's going to have to go back. And then suddenly you see the, this despair come over the face of Anne. And she says to Marilla, I feel like I'm in the depths of despair. Don't you ever feel like that, Marilla? And Marilla says this. She says, no, I don't despair. Because the despair is to reject God. If you know the story, you know that events change for Anne and she's allowed to stay. And then comes time, Anne's grown up and she's now going off to university. They're at the train station and Anne is getting on the train and there's poor Marilla and Matthew who at first didn't even want her. Now they are crying. They're sad. Their hearts are broken. And Matthew says, it was lucky, wasn't it? that she came to us. And Marilla said, it has nothing to do with luck. It was providence. God knew we needed her. I want to say this to you today right now, because so many of us forget that God is sovereign and he's in control. We see the circumstances of life, and we're totally overwhelmed, and we feel God's rejected us. The devil has won the victory. I'm dead in the water. There's no hope for me. Can I just ask you to let God be God? God is sovereign and in control, and he's doing things behind the scenes that you don't know anything about. That's why he's God. What you and I need to do in order to continue to have this attitude of gratitude is we need to learn to keep our eyes on God. That's why Paul says, don't stop praying. God's in charge. God knows what he's doing. God's not finished with you yet. Some of us here lose our joy. We lose our gratitude because we're overwhelmed by life and we're tempted to despair. The will of God for you and me is that you and I never stop praying, that we continue to trust God. And when you and I are trusting God, the wonderful thing is then that we can be thankful in all circumstances. Apply that to poor Anne, who thought for sure she would be going back to the orphanage. God, thank you that the mistake was made. Have you said that recently? God, thank you that the mistake has been made. God, I know you're in control. 
When I was in school, there was a girl I really liked, and I prayed, and I thought, you know, I feel called into the ministry. I'm a Christian. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know that, I know that, uh, I mean, it's a crush. I know that this is the one for me. I pray, God, 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 please, please, please. God said no. And God, where are you? I thought I, thought I was one of your favorite kids. Anybody think that? God, I tithe. Go to church every Sunday, surely. No. God had somebody waiting for me. It was a hundred times better than what I picked out. Someone say hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you trust God? Listen. Don't be overwhelmed by the things that don't go the way you think they should go, but rather say, God, thank you. You are in control. Whatever the circumstances are, I'm going to be thankful, God, because you are in control. I saw that girl that I liked when I was in school. Oh, my goodness. Thank God. (laughs) That's all I need to say. God is good. God is good. Some of you think that the devil, the devil and God just sort of are in a tug of war, and sometimes God's winning, and sometimes the devil's winning, sometimes God's winning. That is such baloney. That is such immature Christianity. If you're here believing that, I'm telling you, folks, you got the, totally the wrong idea. How many know that God, the devil doesn't win, God wins? All the time. God always is the winner. Satan is never the winner. God's always the winner. Because God's sovereign. He's in charge. This is, the, this is the teaching from Genesis to Revelation. So you and I need to understand that we can walk in absolute victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Why? Because God's in charge. Now, there's times when it looks like the devil's winning, but I'm going to tell you this. God always wins. When it comes to God's people, we are always winners. In fact, we are more than conquerors, the Bible says, through Christ. Remember a guy in Bible school, man, every time something didn't go just right, it's like, oh, the devil, we got to pray against the devil and cast it. Like, like, look at it. The Bible says that I've actually got authority over the devil, so the devil's not going to touch me. He can't hurt me. He can't do anything to me. I am more than a conqueror because of Christ. So I told the guy, would you just chill out? He, the devil behind every door, and it, you know, the devil's trying to kill us. <laughs> the devil hates our guts, that's for sure. But I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. And for this reason, I have an attitude of gratitude. When you leave here today, I want to encourage you to start saying thank you to the people in your life. Start expressing thanks to your kids. You'll blow them away. They'll think you're losing it. Early onset Alzheimer's or something, I don't know. Start saying thank you to them. Watch the change that will take place. To your spouse, start saying thank you. Guys, when you open your drawer and see socks and underwear in there that that are clean, say thank you. When a meal is prepared for you, say thank you. 
When your boss does something nice for you, say thank you. Sometimes it's hard to find something to say thank you for, but find it and then say thank you. We're at the superstore, when you're at the gas station, wherever you're, say thank you. Look them in the eyes, smile and say thank you. I appreciate it. And you just may be an agent that will change our society, change our world. That's what God's called us to. And this, my friends, is practical theology. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word that tells us how to live in this broken and hurting and dark world. God, you've called us to always be joyful, to never stop praying and to be thankful in all circumstances. God, may we go from here and actually even write these words down somewhere and put them on our fridge or put them up somewhere so we don't forget. Be, always be joyful, never stop praying and give thanks in all circumstances. God, we know that when we live like this, it changes our life, it changes our world, it changes us, it changes all of our relationships. We thank you, God, for the instruction from your word that transforms us and our relationships. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, thank you for sitting beside me.